0: Normally, fairly quick, but I have not let you out super early, but I'm going to let you out a little early tonight, not right now, so don't pack up, just (laughs) not that early, Um, but tonight we are going to do a little bit of fellowshipping afterwards, being Wesley's last Sunday with us, we have a bunch of ice cream, so everyone feel free to hang around and say goodbye, he'll be here on Wednesday, but if you can't make it Wednesday, say goodbye now, and give him a big hug, he loves hugs from everyone, everyone. So we'll do that tonight. I think we might pull down nine square in the air and have a little bit of fun with that. But we're going to be in Joshua. Um, I was prep, and this completely goes against everything we taught in our class tonight upstairs. I was prepping a message this week and had it pretty much done um, up until last night, this morning, and then this afternoon. And I just thought, you know what, this is my last time for a while to get to uh, speak at Wesley, and he has to listen. Normally he can walk away, but it's church, so he's got to stay right where he is. Um, So I wanted to (laughs) sit down. (laughs) So I want to just encourage him, but I also was looking through this, and so many times in our lives, we have different areas or different times in our life where a, a transition comes, We're transitioning from one phase of life to another. I think of, we have our widow's luncheon um, tomorrow and to hear about the, pretty much the forced transition a lot of people in our church have had to go through. And there's the transition of sending your child off to college. There's a transition of going to college. I remember the night before I left for California, I've got a picture of all the stuff I had uh, in my room. And I remember it was, it was awesome. I, I knew where I was going to college when I was 13. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I knew where I was going to go, what I was going to study. I had it all lined out since I was in junior high. So the college transition was, it It took a little bit to transition out to California just because California is a different, different realm entirely. But I remember going through that and realizing God transitioned from being my parents' God and my family's god my church's god to my god at that point now i was still living under my parents house and i was back and i was still uh, following uh, they paid a lot of the bills i had and they were still there to help me along the way but there was this transition spiritually where i transitioned from this point of being a child to the point of hey now i'm i'm an adult i'm i'm living on my own pretty much i I'm paying a school bill, I'm working a job, I have ministry obligations, and etc. And I remember the transition I went through and I was thrilled. And I remember hearing a message in Joshua chapter 1. In Joshua chapter 1, it's a chapter of transition. And we see that transition in verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, The son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying. We see Joshua in a transition. He was previously the servant of Moses. He was the right hand. He was loyal, hardworking. He was committed to what Moses needed. He had fought battles. He He had met with Moses. He had met his needs. He had taken care of him. And he was able to see God work firsthand. But now he's given direct access to God. The time of relying on his mentor was over, and now Joshua would have to take this first step into a new role. And this is for everyone, but specifically Wesley, you're about to transition into a time where, hey, it's it's a different it's a different mentality. You're not going to wake up with mom cooking every morning. Trust me, that was a hard thing for me to adjust. The dining hall never could touch mom's food, and in, and this is always the aggravation. Kareth shares it with me. Tyler shares it with me. And sorry, this is like major spoiler warning for you. Sunday lunch is our family's probably our biggest meal, or at least our, my most memorable. We always had Sunday lunch together, and it could be something as simple as soup and grilled cheese like we had today, but it was usually a really good lunch. Well, out there you've got ministries going on, and so they don't have the students to staff the dining hall and whatnot, so it's a sack lunch. My first Sunday, I whatever I learned in church I forgot because all I was, I was mad. It's like they give me a saran wrapped sandwich and a banana and expect me to just to be thrilled with this. But I remember this transition and transition to this new role and this new lifestyle and this new, I guess, dispensation you could say and the only feeling I had was a feeling of being overwhelmed, had responsibilities I had people counting on me. And I was doing it 900 miles away. I want you to know we didn't have live stream back there. Tyler would remember this. I used to FaceTime Tyler on Sundays and he would prop up his phone in the back and I would watch church like that. I was live streaming before we had live stream. It was awesome. But I remember feeling pretty overwhelmed. But like I said, this is a time of transition and God came into play. And he does it here. Moses, the servant of the Lord, is dead. You think Joshua felt overwhelmed and it's proven in verse 6. God reminds him, be strong and of a good courage. Verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous. And verse 9, have I not commanded thee be strong and of a good courage. It's a natural response to anything daunting, to be overwhelmed, scared, nervous, and feel inadequate. And that is where God can do the most good in you. Now, not looking at Wesley now, but let's look at each and every one of us. We have transitions in our lives where we feel overwhelmed. It could be a a new job. It could be your kids moving out. It could be a health dilemma. It could be moving. It could be anything and everything within our lives, and we can feel overwhelmed, but realize that those points where you feel inadequate is where God can come and meet with you better. The problem comes when we decide to rely on our own abilities to tackle the situation instead of letting God take care of it. i reminded in the New Testament when Peter sees sees uh, Jesus walking across the water and almost with zero hesitation decides I can do that too because of Jesus. And he he steps out on the water and is seeing this miracle performed and the miracle is consistent as long as his focus is right. We as Christians can do a lot more than we anticipate if we keep our focus on the right thing. Are you going through a transition right now? <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what's going on. Look to Jesus. Wesley, the most important fact, the most important advice I can give you right now. I don't know what's going to happen to you in the semester. I don't know what's going to happen. But look to Jesus. No matter what happens, your focus needs to be him. Joshua is overwhelmed, but Joshua was trained for this role. Look at verse six. Be strong and have a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Joshua's role was clear. I find it comforting that whatever God has called us to do, he will provide the means necessary to accomplish it. Whatever God is calling you to do, realize that he is... has all the problems worked out. He has the hiccups written down. The forks in the road are on his map. The rocky parts and the smooth parts are all the same to our God. There is nothing that will surprise him. God understands what's coming. God has provided for what is coming. And God is expecting us to rely on that. Joshua's role was clear and his manual was written. Let me see. Uh, Nate, in the office, there's something on the copier. Can you bring it to me real quick? Got forgot to grab this, but this is important. This is an object lesson, and I love it. His manual is written. Look at verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Oh, that's, not it. That it. that's okay. We'll go with it. I don't know if it printed or not, but I printed off a syllabus from school. Not one of Wesley's classes he's taking. I would have given him to that. That's prime stuff. But a syllabus, when you start a a class at Bible college, you're given a syllabus. The syllabus lists out your projects, your tests, the grades, the expectations, and everything you'll need to achieve or complete and pass the class. And I'm sorry to say, sometimes, Wesley, those things are a little bit vague. There's some teachers who I've I've got a a syllabus that's 12 to 13, 14 pages long. They've got every detail mapped out for you. I really liked those teachers. You didn't have to guess. Then there's another one who gives you a little blurb on this four-page project that you have to do, and you have no idea what's going on. I'm grateful that God's syllabus for life is clear. He gives clear instructions on how to live. Let's follow him. Wesley don't forget the things that you've learned in your Sunday school classes, a camp service, your devotion, Sunday service, reading your bible wherever it is or even one of your mom's sermons, sermons. Put it that. Don't forget those things that you've been taught. It's at those darkest times in my life that some little thing has come up. Something as simple as Psalm 100, memorizing that when I was 5 years old in Alice Harding's kindergarten class will still pop up. And I remember she drilled that into us. We had to do one at uh, Christmas and the next one at graduation. And I remember 21 years later, I can recite everything she taught me from those lessons. Never forget what God has given you. His manual is written. His role was clear. His teacher was present. Look at verse nine. Have not I commanded thee be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Like I said, the best part of my of the adult life of my life, at least, is how personal God has become to me. He's no longer this this being my parents serve or this person that my church worships or the the person that's the focus of this religious movement. He is and always will be my God now. You never have to wonder if he's there. He will do a good job and he'll give you everything you need in his, his perfect way that he leads you down. You see, our role as Christians is clear might say, well, I don't know what to do tomorrow. Well, God says, don't worry about tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen in, in four months or in, in a year, in two years. I got this diagnosis. I don't know what's going to happen. doesn't matter. God says, I've given you faith for today. Joshua's trained for this role. He felt overwhelmed and he was chosen by God. We have to realize that God will take care of us in whatever role he places us in. He's designed a place For you to be the best person that he could imagine. That's important. Not that you can imagine. That he can imagine. Do you realize that God's plan for our life is higher, greater, and better than any plan we could ever think of. God cares for us so much that he wrote those plans down. He has a plan designed for each and every one of you to give us, as the Bible says, unexpected end. So we see this transition, but then we also see, let it be, the promise. Look at verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. One of, the fav- one of, one of my favorite things I've ever been given was this little book. This book is a book of Bible promises. This is not a it's it's a small book, but it's not a thin book. And every page has multiple verses written down for a promise that God gives. You know what the neat part about this is? We can claim each and every one of these promises. One of the things I love finding out is that God cannot break his promises. To some, this is a simple thing, but to me, this was life changing, knowing that if God said it, he meant it and he'll keep it, knowing that no matter what happens, God is still in control. God makes promises to Joshua here that we can now claim for ourselves. But what does it mean to claim a promise of God? It means to take it, to meditate on it and to fight the devil with it. When the devil brings a lie into your mind, bring the promise back. I love this. The devil says you're not worthy of anything. You're worthless. You're useless. But God has a plan for your life. Recite those promises back. And he promised Joshua here. He promised to provide for him. Wherever your foot touches, Joshua, that will be yours. God promised to provide everything that Joshua, Joshua and the Israelites would need. Here's the neat part. The thing, the things that God promised Joshua, Israel never claimed all those promises. If you were to take a map and look at the map and trace out what what God just said, hey, this is the land I've promised you, Israel took a mere percentage of that. Do you realize that God provides above and beyond what we'll ever need? And you're like, you haven't seen my bank account. I know, God does. Sometimes it's not material that we need. Like, you don't know the struggle my family's going through in. Well, I understand that, but God does. And you're going to need these promises in the next few months, weeks, years, whatever it is. We are good at relying on God when life is going the way we want. But when it goes wrong, what is our reaction? What are you going to do when that bill comes due and you can't pay it? What are you going to do when the diagnosis comes out and it doesn't come out good? What are you going to do when people let you down? I remember one point in my college career, I was an upperclassman. Something had happened, and I, I had a big decision to make. And I remember feeling overwhelmed. I felt inadequate. I didn't know what was going to happen. And I remember looking at my roommate and said, I've got to go pray. I've got to go do something. About 1 o'clock in the morning, I, I couldn't sleep. I walked out, and I, I just started walking around campus. The best part about the desert is the evenings are perfect it was about 70 70 degrees out no wind you could see the stars everywhere it was perfect i was walking around and i ended up walking into the auditorium of the church i knew where the lights were so i turned the lights on and i walked up to the front and i just got on the altar and i started praying remember god answered every one of those prayers but i sought him first and God provided. He promised to provide, and he promised to protect. Look at verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Do you realize that that promise alone to a warrior meant everything? Joshua knew that from this point on, no one that's going to stand against me, as long as I'm close to God, is ever going to be able to defeat me. <coughs> God promised. God promised. That he was going to be there. This one isn't for Wesley as much as it is for his family. And I know this isn't going to be a great week. But God loves him more than you do. God knows the outcome of every situation. God will take care of him. It's not easy to let go, but it's necessary. And I'll bring up something someone posted. Time to put the basket in. Sometimes we got to be like Moses' mom and set it off because we know that God's going to take care of it a lot better than we could. I'm grateful that my parents did that, and I hated that day. There's a picture of mom and me, and we got a picture in front of Founders Hall, and I'm holding back tears. Because the moment they took that picture, mom, dad, and Kareth got in the car, and they drove off, and I thought they hate me. As I, I regret every decision I've ever made. I <laughs> thought, this is, this is stupid. I'm living in a room with four other guys, and one of them doesn't shower when he gets sick. I mean, this isn't going to be good. Yeah, that was rough. But I remember as time went on, one of those roommates became a really good friend. Several people in that dorm I still talk to to this the very day It was at that place that I made a lot of decisions because God fulfilled every promise he ever made me. So we see the transition, we see the promise, and lastly, we see the key. Look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. I'm grateful that God always provides clear instructions in how to follow him. Those are through his word. I have a hard time trusting a Christian who does not listen to what God has to say. I've heard this plenty of times. I can't imagine the amount of times that mom and dad and Wes and Laura have heard it. Someone says, I'm a Christian. I pray a lot. It's a very one-sided relationship if all you're doing is talking at God. How healthy would that be if you go home and all you do is talk at your spouse and never let them talk to you? Now, there's some of you who might say, you know what? My spouse needs to listen a little bit more, so let's try that. But it's not a healthy relationship if you're not communicating back and forth. And it's the same with us. The key to success is the application. The Bible says here the application of biblical truth. You know what that means? We've got to be in the Bible. It comes from knowing God's word. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Spend time getting to know God's word. Don't take it for granted. Wesley, don't treat it like a textbook. That's the biggest temptation over the next nine months is you're in the Bible every day for for a grade. And you get to the point where you're like, this is nothing more than a textbook. Never treat it like that. It's the playbook. It's the manual. It's a roadmap to success. It's God's love letter to each and every one of us. Why wouldn't we take time to read it every day? But not only knowing God's word, it comes from living out God's word. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Simple phrase, actions speak louder than words. You can say you know him, but unless you're doing what he says, it means nothing. You can be a leader, so continue leading in what the Bible says. Be faithful to what God says despite the people around you. Do not fall to the pressures of the world. Wesley, don't fall to the pressures of, of your roommates or the influences. That would rather you tone it down. Be bold in standing for what is right and confronting what is wrong. Be willing to be corrected. How many of us do we have a hard time with that? I don't, I don't like being corrected. I'll just be honest. I don't think there's a person in here that says, hey, correct me all the time. I really have a hard time with it. But Jesus Christ has to be humble in that. Be willing to be corrected. Be gracious in your stance. And be committed in your walk. So Wesley, as you head out Thursday, and everyone else here, as you go through a transition in your life, remember where you came from. Don't forget the simpler times when your main concern may have been school or practice or life was simple. Those are gifts that God has given us to provide warmth when life is lonely and cold. Wesley, remember you take your family's name, your church's name, your Savior's name, wherever you go. Make sure they're proud of the man you're becoming. Don't sacrifice of lifetime and love and lessons on prideful pursuits. That's the same for each and every one of us. We walk out of this room and we walk to our jobs carrying our Savior's name, our our family's name, our church's name. We need to have a testimony that showcases that in a positive light. And we need to live our life like Joshua. Fierce in battle. When it's time to fight, like the guy says, fight like you're the third monkey on the ramp to Noah's Ark and, brother, it's starting to rain. I mean fight. Be humble in correction. Be willing to say, you know, I was wrong. You know, I need to get better. (laughs) Hard one to me. I don't have all the answers. And be faithful to the end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. God, I know this was somewhat pointed at Wesley, and I, I know it's what you would have had me do tonight, but Lord, I know that every person in here understands the stress with a transition. The pressure that comes from it, the anxiety and the worry. But God, I'm grateful that you are stronger than all of that. God, I pray that we as a church can be an asset to Wesley, an encouragement, Lord, just a bastion of prayer as he's out learning more about you and what you'll have him do with his life. God, we thank you for the Carnes and just their faithfulness to the church. God, give them an extra measure of comfort this week. God, surrender is never easy, but it's necessary. God, we love you for it. It's your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. There will be ice cream in the back. A few of the teen boys, if you guys want to help me, we're going to get the nine square down and get it set up. So we'll get everything started back there.